You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. We've heard in the news about finding a copy of the Mona Lisa. What have you found out about that? Well, this story is about the Prado Museum in Madrid, which made news this week by saying they'd found a copy of the Mona Lisa. The copy was painted at the same time and in the same studio, probably by one of Leonardo da Vinci's pupils. Now, the clues to this lay underneath the surface of the picture. And if by eye the copy shows a a plain black ground, by using technology it shows a landscape which is just like the background of the Mona Lisa. So... I went to Opus Instruments just outside Cambridge to speak with Lawrence Robinson. Now, he is the one who created the Osiris camera, which is used by art galleries. I started by asking him about the kinds of tools that galleries, like the Prado Museum in Spain, can use to study paintings. Well, the art conservatives and historians now use several different types of artistic investigation, and they use lots of scientific equipment. They can use x-rays... They can use visual imaging, they use fluorescence imaging using ultraviolet light, and they also use infrared imaging. And infrared imaging has an ability to look through layers of paint and see what is hidden underneath that paint. You make a camera of some kind which does some of this. Can you tell us about that? Yes, we manufacture the Asaros camera. This is a, what we call a near-infrared camera. So the colours or the light that this camera sees is past the red that the eye can see. It's a deeper red. It's near infrared. Now, these cameras can actually see through pigments. Most pigments that we see, the reds, the greens, the blues, in the visible, are transparent in the infrared where we use the camera. So we can actually look through the top surface and we can see paintings underneath. We can see charcoal drawings. We can even see the brush strokes and the brush marks that the artist made when he was filling in the background on his painting. And do you have any connection with the Prado? Yes, the Prado actually have one of our cameras. They're one of our early sales. And so I spent um, several days out there working with them, showing them how to use the camera two or three years ago. Okay, let's hope for the news that they might have actually used your camera, Lawrence. So how does this camera work, as it were? Well, you've got to look at the the spectrum. Light consists of many, many different colours. There's very few colours that the human eye can see. We see from the blue to the red, a small part of the spectrum. Deeper into the blue, we have UV light, and scientists can use that. Our camera uses infrared light, which is redder than red. So when we look at a picture, we see some of the picture on top, but we can also see deeper into the painting and see the structure of the painting underneath. Okay. Well, we've heard about infrared imaging, and it's been with us, I think, for many years. So how is your camera different? In the past, infrared cameras have been analogue cameras. They've been, if you remember the old days of the Vidicon tube cameras that were used in TV studios... But they were very low resolution, very poor sensitivity, and obviously not suited to the computer age. The Osiris camera is a digital camera. It uses a relatively new material in cameras called indium gallium arsenide, 
which has a sensitivity that is, is ideally suited to looking at works of art. So the SARS camera is digital. It's very, very high resolution. It has 16 million pixels, so it's 4,000 by 4,000 pixels, and can operate very quickly using simple illumination systems to provide this information to the art historians. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and you were saying about the wavelengths that it particularly picks up. How are they different? Well, the, the as I said, the, normally in the visible... Um, spectrum, we talk about light from um, half a micron, a micron being a millionth of a metre or a thousandth of a millimetre, a very small distance, to about 0.7 of a micron, a very small range, half a micron being blue, 0.7 a micron being deep red. We go much further than that, a longer wavelength, we go from 1 micron to 1.7 microns. So that is well into the near infrared. And what does the camera look like? Is it a, a huge device on a tripod? It's, it's larger than your normal compact camera you would get and it weighs several kilograms but it sits in a normal tripod. It uses some very expensive infrared lenses that are made for us in Germany but otherwise it looks like an old-fashioned camera with a bellows to focus the lens and it's a, if you like a black box directly connected to a computer that controls all the functions the camera. Okay, so is the is the computer sort of snapping the picture and storing it? It is. The, the It's not exactly a snap. To get all these um, 16 million pixels, it takes about eight minutes to take a full picture at a maximum resolution. I know you're not an artist of any sort, so what drove you to invent this thing? I'm definitely not an artist of any type. Pure chance, really. I run a scientific consultancy, developing products and carrying out scientific consultancy for companies around the world. The National Gallery approached me with a problem they had and a camera they were developing. There's a very fine lady, Rachel Billinger, at the National Gallery, who is a world expert in what is called infrared reflectography, and that is the use of infrared to look at works of art. And she had been trying to develop a camera and had some problems. While just talking to her about the camera she was trying to develop, she mentioned in passing that if a camera could be made to a certain specification and sold within a certain price, there was a worldwide market. It was obvious that the camera that she had developed was far too expensive, too big and too complex to be a realistic product, but I thought possibly that I could do better. And that was the birth of Osiris. A year later, after development of all the software, the mechanics, the optics, the electronics, we released the product onto the market. And presumably this is now in several galleries? It's in over, I think it's 40 museums worldwide, including the Louvre, where they discovered work on um, Leonardo, the National Gallery, the British Museum, the Getty, the most famous museums have a camera. Okay, we've just now come into the office and we're looking at some paintings. Lawrence, what am I looking at? Well, on the left here, you have a normal colour photograph of a painting by Picasso. Um, this is the painting the lady or the woman ironing. On the right is the same painting, but this time taken with the Osiris infrared camera. If you look very closely at the bottom, there seems to be an image that is not in the normal colour picture. Uh -huh. It's not obvious what it is, but I'm now going to rotate the picture 
so it's upside down. Oh, my. And all of a sudden you see that that image is a picture of a man. In fact, he looks like he's a soldier, possibly a cavalry officer. And that was painted on the canvas. And then Picasso, for some reason, didn't like the painting, painted over it completely with a white paint and started a brand new picture. So this is an early piece of this is a, paper recycling. This is paper recycling. <laughs> paper was very expensive to artists. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you, Lawrence. One, one thing, Roger, how come the camera sees through the paint but not the stuff underneath? Uh, well, what it sees it re- is reflected off charcoal, which is what the artist used, and charcoal is carbon. OK. And did he tell you anything about some other discoveries that using the camera? Yeah, he, he had loads of them, in fact. Uh, in one, which I almost recognised, was called Massacre of the Innocents, you could see that the artist had had second thoughts and moved people around the composition. But uh, for that sort of thing, we really need TV, not radio. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Nicola Terry. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105.